Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to get to talk to one of our longtime partners uh, for the program. And we're gonna we're gonna get into lots of different roles that she has played over the years with us. Um, I'm super excited to welcome Yen Sutsumi. Hi, Yen. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? Oh, I'm so, I'm doing so great. So Yen is currently uh, the uh, a senior vice president for business operations for George P. Johnson Experience Marketing. But Yen, over the years, has um, has played such an amazing role and uh, with with helping us as a department. Um, she was instrumental in in developing and and expanding the internship program with George P. Johnson, and then she stepped onto our advisory council and has been helping us there. And most recently, she came on as a lecturer for the department. And soon she will also be a parent of a current student in the department. So, so many hats. I mean, just uh, I can't tell you how much you've meant to us over the years, Yan, and so excited to finally get to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much. That's that's very kind of you to say, and I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Of course. Well, let's jump right in. Tell us, uh, tell us where you're from originally. Um, well, let's see. Well, originally, I'm actually from Vietnam. I'm a, uh, I'm a refugee uh, from Vietnam um, many, many moons ago, <laughs> 40, 40 something plus years ago. So uh, yes, I, I grew up here in, in, um, in California, um, but originally I'm from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. And where now? Where when you when you uh, moved over to the states, or when you came to the states, where did yeah. um, where did you where did you grow up? Uh, well, originally when we first came to the United States, it was Minnesota, Minneapolis, um, which was a shocker for me because again uh, we came. Uh, when was it? When we landed and all that, it was October. So in Minnesota Ooh, <laughs> and was yeah. right around Halloween time. So it was a shocker. Um, sure. I had all these people knocking at our door. I was, you know, five and they're dressed and I'm just completely freaked out. I'm like, what is going on in this place? So that yeah. was a, a fun way and introduction to the United States. But then eventually we moved um, to uh, San-, San Jose. San Jose area. Um, and I grew up there, um, kind of on the east side of San Jose. I'm not sure how many folks uh, listening will will be familiar with San Jose. But uh, back then, it was kind of like a, uh, frankly, still is kind of a rough side of the neighborhood. Um, and the, the Asian community, community 30, 40 years ago was just up and coming. So uh, we, we, you know, we really try to stay close together. But that's, that's where I grew up was just South San Jose or east side of San Jose. And, um, you know, really had a great, had a a great time growing up in in defining this area uh, as well. So it's a it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, and I and I understand that, that your aunt your aunt raised you, right? Um, what what what's your, what's um what did your what did your aunt do while you're growing up, and and what was yeah. it like? I understand you had ten cousins, right? That were really yeah. close, and yeah, I imagine a, a really close knit family element. Yeah, there, huh? yeah, like uh, you know, my aunt, uh, my my aunt is like my mom. Uh, she, you know, um, 
she raised me from actually when I was a baby. And then when we left um, the country, left Vietnam, I, I, I left with her. So she, and she's only actually 13 years older than me. So it's interesting because uh, in many ways, she's like a bigger, like a big sister. Um, but at the same time, she's my mother figure. She's, she's my mom and uh, all the, all the ways that matter. So mm-hmm. uh, we really, surrounded ourselves with uh, family and uh, I am the oldest of 10 cousins. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely the, uh, um, I don't want to say the bossy one, but I am, I'm the leader <laughs> of the pack in so many ways. And um, yeah, growing up, she, you know, um, during that time she was around 18. So uh, really couldn't do school anymore. Couldn't go to school. So she was um, working as an assembler uh, in, in semiconductor. And still is, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's 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 a lot of hard manual work, long hours. But uh, you know, we we really were kind of that American story, that success story, so to speak. You know, in terms of just you know, do whatever you need and the opportunities there. Uh, but yeah, she worked uh, two jobs uh, when when I was growing up, so it was very um, it, it was very. Um, independent I, I was able to be very independent throughout my my youth and because my aunt worked two jobs I would come home and had to do chores and you know uh, get ready even at you know from kindergarten on pretty much um but yeah we we really had to just uh, make it all work and I would come home and do chores and cook rice and get us ready and then do my homework and then hang out with my friends. And, you know, that was kind of how, how my, uh, my young days were, were, were about. Yeah. Right. I, I imagine as being the oldest and, and, um, and, and then learning also from your aunt, I, I, I said aunt, like I, I grew up by saying aunt and, and for me, that sounds, that sounds so Southern and uh, <laughs> um, for me. So when, when you said aunt, after I said aunt, I was like, that sounds so much more refined. <laughs> And so much better. So I'm going to start adopting and saying, aunt, I like that better. But um, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I imagine you, you, your aunt taught you a lot about work ethic. And, and I imagine as being the oldest, you kind of had to step up yeah. where, um, and, and really, um, and really take, uh, take some leadership roles. Do you feel like that defined a lot of who you are today? Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, again, my aunt's only, uh, she's only 13 years older than I am. So she was 18 when I was five and we came here. And so, you know, coming from a refugee background, you take whatever job you can. And, you know, for us to make ends meet, she did have to work two jobs. And it, it, it taught me the value of hard work and um, an honest day's work and all of that. And I think that's, uh, that's what I grew up with. Again, even though she's, she's my mother figure, we grew up learning a lot of those lessons together, right? Which is mm-hmm. really important and, and values of family and all of that. You know, one, one thing that I remember just growing up because she was always working, I actually spent quite a bit of time with um, with kind of the elderly, you know, neighbors that, you know, in their, I'm talking about in their eighties and where I would stop by after school just to say hi. And they would um, open up a can of Campbell soup for me. And that would be my snack. And I would keep them company for, you know, half an hour or whatever, and then go run back to the house and do chores or whatever. But, but that also taught me kind of the importance of that relationship with people who are not, 
at my age group, right? And right. Um, I made lots of actually friends in, in the neighborhood we were in mm-hmm. um, with folks who were much older and they appreciated the company. They appreciated that I cared enough to go and you know spend time with them. So that yeah. for me were moments in, in my youth that I really remembered that, you know, yeah. Mrs. Esther, <laughs> as I called right. her, and you know, right. she would have a bowl of soup for me. And then at the end of the snacks you would give me these melt away candies that are old-fashioned melt away mints that right. i still remember yeah right oh wow that's those are, are special memories and i you know i i struggle sometimes because i feel like um that that our, our our sense of community and and our intergenerational elements um kind of seem to be lost in today's um in today's society um and those those are so valuable. You learn so much um, from from other generations, and and and, um, and fo- I think fostering that intergenerational dialogue is probably a something that we need to do more of. I I hundred percent agree. I mean, I think for me, perhaps circumstantial, right? And that I I didn't come with the mom and dad. I came with an aunt who was like a sister, and so for me, I was looking for a lot of surrogate parents or maternal figures and paternal mm-hmm. figures and such. And, um, but in that I built these, you know, risk, you know, I re- built this respect and mm-hmm. um, honoring, you know, folks that are not like me and I can learn so much from them and yet mm-hmm. really feeling like I can contribute something that that company that I'm providing for, you know, for, mm-hmm. to them for an hour a day or whatever it may be. It's, it's, it was really special. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So um, let's get into a little bit of, of what you were like now as you as you as you grew up and, and got a little older and um, got into high school and whatnot. What, what, what yeah. were you into? What did you what did you get into? Oh, gosh. Um, so high school wise, I, um, you know, I, I, I was a independent thinker, I think is the best way to put it. Um, uh-huh. And I'll, I'll back it up with a little bit of context. My, my aunt, because again, she was 18 when, when we were here in the US, she never had an education. So she still is illiterate. Um, so everything that I had to do for myself in school, or uh-huh. anything that whether it's a permission slip, or, um, you know, getting into an honors class or signing any of that stuff, that was all me. That was me um signing those paperwork and I'm not not telling anybody else to do this but right you know she she didn't understand any of that context right it was it was all me and so for me living in a neighborhood where we were which is East San Jose, San Jose it was a really rough neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, a lot of gangs and things like that so i actually bust myself out of that neighborhood Oh. to um through a through a business magnet program which um is you know they would recruit students that are interested in a business uh, curriculum right. and i bust myself out uh into a a different neighborhood a more affluent neighborhood and at during those days it was a primarily caucasian white neighborhood oh. and so i bust myself out uh to a high school which required that i was you know on a bus from 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning every day and got myself home but um so that that was again I think my high school years were marked by independence and and being Uh able to um carve my own path so to speak um and and 
bus myself out to a school that was, you know, 20, about 15, 20 minutes uh, or no more than that. It's probably about 30, 30, 35 minutes outside of my area. Um, And I did, I loved it because I was, I felt safer. Uh Um, So in that I, I, you know, I I did tennis and I was on the tennis team and I was the number one singles on the varsity team. No way. Uh, Yeah. That is awesome. Um, well, I just got to say, you know, um, I, I don't imagine I, I, I personally have never heard I you, you, and you said this like three or four times. I bust myself out for school. Right. You know, that that in and of itself is just like on like out, just out of my realm of possibility. There's no way I would have ever been able to have the independence to think of, of being able to do something like that for myself. Right. I think so many of us who grow up with privilege, um, don't understand what that might even be like. Right. And so I just like, I, I already had like a huge level of respect for you, Yan, and um, <laughs> but that it just shot up into the stratosphere because oh. I can't even imagine what that might be like. And then the next sentence you say is, "I was number one singles <laughs> tennis player." Like, how did you, how did you get to be? Because I, I, you know the background that you've you've told me about is not really aligned with tennis. So, how did you get introduced to tennis? It was because for me, it was. Um, College and education was my way out of, you know, our situation. And to do that, I had to build up, quote unquote, a resume, right? Not only doing good from a school perspective, but sports and clubs and all of that. And so, yeah, that's really, I think I had an end goal, which was college. And so for me, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do to get myself to to college to, to be accepted and all of this? And so right. I just went after things that I knew that I could do. And you know, but let's just be fair. I'm at the school that I went to. The the team wasn't great. All so right, it was, right. But still, you know, I'm just I'm just being honest here. I got gotcha. you. Uh, but yeah, but still at the same time, it was just something that I, I enjoyed and, you know, built a community around that as well um, and had a coach, you know, between that and badminton. I was also on the badminton team. Uh-huh. Um, we're just really kind people. I've been so incredibly fortunate in my life that I've had really incredible role models and mentors that are willing to kind of take me under their wing, so to speak. Uh-huh. And um you know, I'm still in touch with my sixth grade teacher. I spoke at her son's bar mitzvah, and I, um, I mean, she's in her seventies now, and we're still in touch. So, I mean, I'm very lucky in that way, and so I think that's a big part of it too, right? Is is um, we make our own opportunities, but luck has a lot to do with it as well, and having and surrounding yourself by good people has everything to do with it in my mind. Right, right. Okay, I love that. So, so you know, you set that goal for to 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 get to college. Um, so, tell us about what that experience was like. Um, you, you know, I I would imagine that was was also one that, uh, of a lot of independence and and yeah. and and having to like you know, um, as um, uh, I, I assume first generation first generation yeah. college student. Yeah, yeah. right. So, so tell Very us about first. that. Tell us about that experience and how yeah. you ended up at Davis. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm the first of my family uh, to go to college. And um, 
you know, it's very interesting when my daughter right now going through the whole process, which, you know, she, she got accepted and, uh, and at Cal Poly, which is awesome. Yeah. But that whole process is so different what she's going through than what I went through. Right. I never even saw Davis. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the touring of the campus, what is that? You know, none of that. Um, I'm sure it happened. I just wasn't a part of it. A couldn't right. afford it. And B, you know, like that was not part of my, what we got to do. Right. So it was all about the fact that I'm like, okay, I, what are my options, you know? Uh, and, and frankly, back then, uh, and probably still some of it now, you know, as an Asian, um, first generation, you know, your, your options are you're either a doctor or a pharmacist or a lawyer of these professions uh, uh, are very prescriptive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I really enjoy science. I really like physiology and I really like biology and all of that. So I think I'll go into that. I'll become a doctor or why not? Right. right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I applied to UC Davis and got in as a physiology major. And, uh, and, you know, it was exciting. And but I did all of that on my own. Uh, my aunt was not part of that decision. And, you know, frankly, right. I, I, you know, kind of applied, got in, told her, Oh, I can go to Davis. And I said, Oh, good. And that was right. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, it's all perspective. And so anyways, uh, yeah, I went to Davis as a physiology major and thought I was going to be a doctor. Um, obviously, that didn't work out. Right, right. <laughs> I, uh, I, I got, you know, got through the first year and OCHEM, organic chemistry, and that kind of just like, oh, my goodness, I am not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> well, so, I only I only laugh because that's the exact same thing that happened to me, except yeah. I was pre I was pre dental. Because oh my my, my girlfriend in high school and college for four years of high school and college, she her dad was an orthodontist, so we we she had the goal for us of us being dentists together. Oh and, my goodness! Yeah, and I I met uh, I met another lady named Organic Chemistry, and uh, she did not like me too much. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, that that really was my my point in time where I'm like, yeah, I don't think. And to me, I'll I'll be honest. For me, I at that point knew that if I'm struggling this hard on just this class, just to pass it, how am I going to be as we continue to advance? Um, And it was part of it, perhaps pride, but the other part of it is that, you know, I don't care what I do, but whatever I do, I want to be the best at it. And I frankly did not think I could be a great doctor because just struggling through this, I'm going to be resenting it the entire time. So I I took a turn. I took a turn and I decided to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just explore psychology because I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. some of the classes I took there. And then um, did that major for, I I don't know, maybe two quarters or whatever. And then went like, no, I don't think this is the right thing. And then I stumbled upon applied behavioral sciences. Uh as a major. And long story short, I actually created my own major or a concentration within that. Right. Um, surprise, surprise, because I'm like, yeah, I don't have anything in here exactly that I like. I, I want to concentrate on organizational development and management. Yeah. And lo and behold, I was able to select the right classes between the different departments and majors and all of that and created this major, presented it to the board and, and 
got my degree in applied behavioral sciences with a concentration in organizational development and management. I love um, it. That's yeah. so great. That's so great. You forged <laughs> your own, like, right. Those, and, and, you know, uh, the students, the student, the current students who are listening, I mean, they know that, that now that you have individualized course of study, but that, that wasn't, common um when you were in, in school so you were again you were again forging a path that wasn't really uh necessarily there um yeah. so i i love that and um and uh, so did did you do did you do anything while you were while you were do- doing that individualized course of study that like really sparked interest in what you're doing today is was there anything there yeah no for sure i mean i feel like this is perhaps why i'm so passionate about teaching and mentoring because i i feel like there have been people in my life many of which have been teachers by the way that have instrumentally shifted my entire um you know my entire sphere you know my my orbit so to speak mm-hmm. and, and the path that i was going to go and that for me was a, a professor at Davis that I took a marketing class, um, Professor Butler. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was, um, he gave us this opportunity where we were able to work on a program for GM to launch their, their Aurora vehicle, which at that time was brand new. Wow. And we did, you know, I, of course, first went to raise my hand. Yep, that's the project I want to take on. And I built a team that we did market research, we went out and explored a place to actually activate this um, launch event Uh that we would put this vehicle in. And we decided how were we going to engage all these people who were going to be coming in to the mall, because that's where we ended up, you know, displaying the car. Right. And did a treasure hunt and all the stuff. And we were given a budget to work with. And it was, you know, I was ahead of my time and I didn't even know it. Honestly. I was going to say so far. I spoke to our, I spoke to our business school uh, four years ago and they'd never even heard of experiential marketing. And you yeah. were doing, you were doing experiential marketing at Davis. Close uh, 30. Yeah, yeah. Close to 30 years ago. And I, yeah. and, and the funny part is that experiential and then even the conference and this kind of work was not anything you can either A, major in or B, knew anything about. And ironically, you know, the company I'm with right now, when I joined them, were known as an automotive, you know, exhibit house or an automotive marketing company, right? right. It is very ironic and just how things work very serendipitously. So mm-hmm. that that for me was a defining moment because I chose to be a part and lead a team to activate, you know, a real brand, a real project with real money. And I, I really enjoyed it and I loved it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is really cool. So yeah, that, that kind of uh, started my journey there. Um, even though I didn't know it then. Um, but I had also worked at Nordstrom through my four years of college at, Uh at uh, Davis, um, as as a salesperson within a women's suits department, Studio One Twenty One, yeah. and uh, it taught me a lot in terms of customer service and how oh, you sure. interact with you know people and um, and business I, people. Uh, if you're in a business, business. Yeah, 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 I I totally was. I mean, they were all more mature than I was. Obviously, I'm in college, and they're affording things that you know two three hundred dollar pair of pants. And back then, that's a lot of money, and still is, you know. Um, but it allowed me to build my communication skills, being able to communicate, you know, with 
with professionalism and, and in a way where I had authority, even though I was like, you know, 18 (laughs) or 19. So yeah, I think those, both of those really were defining moments for me and defining, defined my path in many ways. I'm sure. So, so tell us about the story of, um, you know, you have the, you, you obviously um, told us about the, the GM experience in school. Tell us about, um, how you how you came upon George P. Johnson? <laughs> well, I after I graduated from Davis because I had worked at Nordstrom, I actually was offered um, a management role at Nordstrom um, as a department manager. So for for the women's suits department, which made right. me the youngest youngest department manager um, in this very established, you know, tailored right. suits women's suits department. Right. Um, and I had to jump at that. I'm like, when am I ever going to get an opportunity like this? But because I'd been working for them for four years, I actually had some seniority already. Right. Um, so I did that for about uh, two years. And but before I had, you know, accepted that position, I actually sent out my resume to a headhunter recruiter just to see what was out there. And then finally told him, hey, you know, I'm going to accept this job, this retail job at Nordstrom. And um so I'm going to do that. And he said, well, I'm going to hold on to your resume because, you know, retail is rough. It's hard, um, but I'm going to hold on to it and I'll call you in about two years. And lo and behold, he called me in two years. Um, and at that time, he was absolutely dead on. He was right on. Um, I was burnt out. As a manager, I worked every weekend. I worked every holiday because that's when the business is and you have to be around for your people and for the customers. And I was burnt out. I mean, you know, my friends were hanging out on the weekends and doing trips that I could never do because I was working. So uh, he caught me at a good time. Uh, He says, hey, I I know you're you're happy at Nordstrom, but I've got this company that they do car shows, I think is what it is. I'm not exactly sure, but uh-huh. you might want to check them out. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll go check them out. What's the position? He said, well, that's the thing. It's a, it's a re- receptionist position. It's a front desk receptionist job. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, but, but I got a bachelor's degree and I, I, I'm a manager right now. But right. you know what? Okay, I'm going to go because you never know. And that was pretty much the catalyst for everything. Uh, I yeah. I showed up at an interview at GPJ. Back then it was in San Jose, the offices in San Jose. I walked in and it was the office was still being constructed. And I just saw this beautiful space that was still in development, by the way, but this, you uh-huh. know, airplane wing that served as a door and these incredible track lighting and just uh-huh. just this feel of like, yeah, we're hip and there's a swagger to it. Uh-huh. I'm like, what the heck is this? And, right. you know, I took a leap. I took a leap of faith and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I resigned my management position at Nordstrom. Uh-huh. <laughs> And took um, a step back and and sat at the front desk at GPJ as a receptionist um, and did that for about three four months yeah. and uh, an account say, managed. You, you didn't do that long, I don't bet. I, I bet they saw you. I saw. I bet they saw what what they had in you pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. No. I I I am a believer that it is important to pay your dues and you know. I knew what I could bring, but they don't know me. And I've always felt like 
give me a chance. Give me a chance to show you what I can do. Yeah. And then let's talk about my growth opportunity. And, and I think that's something that might be lost on a lot of folks where they might walk out and say, well, I've got a bachelor's or I've got an MBA or, you know, I've done, you know, so many internship programs or whatever. I know how to do this. Um, fact is, is that you still have to prove yourself. And, and that's how I approached it. I, I, I approached it as, you know, I want them to see what I can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, four weeks or, or excuse me, uh, three, four months after that, an account management role came open and I applied for it and I got offered the job. Mm-hmm. And as they say, the rest is history. I just kind of progressed and moved on from there. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, that it's so exciting. And you've, um, you've, you've risen through the ranks. And, um, and like you said earlier, um, I, I'll repeat this, uh, uh, what a success story and, wow. um, and um, just, uh, just so Im- uh, impressive your uh, ascension through, uh, through George P. Johnson. And, you know, like I said earlier, you were, um, um, you you have helped uh, us to to grow and 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 expand the the um, the internship program along with Marcel and um, just uh, you know we can't be we can't be any more thankful about that. Can you can you talk about your, your role and, and how that came about? I mean, I, I yeah. I've heard you I've heard you say before it's a labor of love, right? Right? It's not really a part of your job description necessarily, but it, it's something that you wanted to do to, to help give back. And so can you explain about how that yeah. all kind of took, took place? Yeah. I mean, um, for, from a personal standpoint for me, like I said, I mentioned is that I, I work really hard to, to be where I am, but frankly, it also takes a ton of luck and a ton of good people around you yeah. to prop you up. And I am a believer that if you've been lucky enough to be propped up, you you got to do your part and do the same for folks that are you know coming up it's like you know if you're gonna go up on that elevator you better take that elevator down so someone else can come up with you as well and I am a believer of that 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 is how I live my life and that is the reason why I do what I do from a mentoring and internship championing that program with Marcel all those is in service of that that personal value that I have is that mm. I wouldn't be where I would be now without all the people in my life that's helped me propped myself up. So that to me is at foundational as to why I wanted to be a part of developing the, the internship program at GPJ. Mm-hmm. Um, we started out with one and, you know, um, and thereafter, you know, for the last 14 years or 12 years, um, it's been roughly 20 every single year that we bring on and we convert those uh, to full full time, not all, but, you know, a good percentage get converted to full time um, because we're not giving them a fly on the wall opportunity. We're giving them hands on true to the Cal Poly model of hands on learning. And they come out of, you know, an internship or apprentice program with us and they are so um, well-versed and prepared to take on, you know, a role. Um, it started small, but it continued to grow. Um, my participation and Marcel's participation in the, um, back then, RPTA department advisory board, um, we really felt strongly that, that everything is experiential, which is what our company is all about, right? Everything you do, even when you go into an Apple store and you're 
picking up a phone and you're feeling the form and function and all of that, you know, it engages all those sensories. Um, when you go to a park, when you go into a restaurant, when you go into a hotel, you know, when you smell the, the, the fresh baked cookies, what does it make you feel? It makes you feel welcome, right? And all those things. Right. And so we felt it was really important and something that we wanted to really put out there to our PTA as a department to relook at what that means for you as a department, because our PTA is one component of it, but it covers so much, you know, experiential. And when we had proposed that, it took a couple of years before we can get to the point where we can say, you know, that that the department as a whole, as well as the school was willing to look at experiential industry management as a major. Um, I think it's a game changer. You guys are the only ones. And as a employer, as a company in the industry, that's what I look for is, you know, who out there actually is studying and doing what we're, we're saying we're selling. And really Cal Poly is probably one of the only one out there now that has that. And honestly, I'll, I'll be honest in that I'm hoping that soon we'll be able to convert that, that degree. So it's EIM because it is a little confusing. Yeah, you know, um, from a from that perspective, for them to have that a degree that's RPTA because they, you know, immediately on your resume they're like, hey, that's Parks and Rec. That that's the immediate association. (laughs) Right. Anyhow. Yeah. yeah, we and and we are um and just so everyone who listens will know we are we are working on it. Um I, I think I can confidently I, I was a little bit worried about saying that um a few weeks ago, but um at the uh, at our recent advisory council meeting, um we we informed everyone that we, we are working on it. Um oh, great. the 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 um California State University system um makes it extremely difficult to uh create a major Mm. that has never been created before right they have to have codes that um that they're familiar with and so they basically have told us we we cannot create an experience industry management degree because it's never been done and they've never heard of that and um (laughs) so sorry you know that's basically so that's basically our our two years of work trying to get that or or longer trying to get that have basically um resulted in brick walls and so what we've decided instead is to um is, is to do two degrees and so we'll we're 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 going to be proposing an um event and experience management um degree mm-hmm. and so that that will be one track and then the other track will be um aligned with tourism sport management and hospitality recreation that sort of thing that's awesome that's yeah, we're, we're excited about it and we, we've been working hard at yeah. it for um for you know um once we once we realized the brick wall was not yeah. going to uh <laughs> disintegrate <laughs> well uh, but that's you know. what you do you you if you can't get through it you got to figure out a way uh, yeah, you know exactly. over it and uh, around it right 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 <laughs> well you know but it can sometimes be hard for people uh who are visionary or whatever you know when you when you hit a brick wall it's like huh yeah. Let's see. Where what do we uh yeah. <laughs> what do you mean you don't see my vision? You know, like that sort of thing. So, but we we're we're excited about it and we we appreciate all of the support that 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 you and and George P. Johnson and Chris and and the team and and then of course, you know, all of our advisory 
council members have given um, to this path that we've taken. It, it just really has been extraordinary. And, you know, I, I gave you the example a few minutes ago about, you know, I guess it was four or five years ago, I spoke at a sport marketing um, club event here on campus. And those, those students had never heard the term experiential marketing. And you just mm-hmm. think about like how, um, how amazing that is, right? Like um, that, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, you know, we have a business school that's not teaching experience, and, but that's, that's, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so we're, we're excited about what we're, what we're doing and what our students are, are equipping themselves with. And, um, and so, and, and now, you know, you have come on as a, as a lecturer. So let's talk a little bit um, about what we'll go back. We'll go back, of course, to, to your role as, as vice president of business operations, but let's talk a little bit about what the experience has been like as a lecturer and what that has meant, um, what that has meant to you. I know you, you went out. So tell us about the process. I know you're, you were interested in teaching. So you went out and got a, an advanced degree. Did you not? I did. I did. Well, that's about six years ago. I mean, my kids were, you know, uh, in middle school and, and uh, like I said, I mean, I I always look back at my, my core value and what it is that I want to do and what is at the core of who I am. And for me, it's about giving back and not even giving back. That's not the right word. It's about paying it forward, mm-hmm. right? Someone does something good for you. Hopefully you'll buy the next person's coffee or whatever it may be. It, it is about paying it forward. And for me, it's always about teaching because I believe in in teaching someone how to fish and not giving them the fish, right? So I've always looked at it from that perspective is, you know, I want to be able to help mold the next generation of just people. Uh, If I impact one person in my lifetime, that would be incredible in my mind and would be successful. Um, And so I started this journey about six years ago when my kids were in middle school and I went back and got my uh, MBA degree. I did this all online. Uh, which meant that, you know, every night after putting them down for the evening, about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, I would head out to the studio, which my, my husband has a little music studio in the backyard and lock myself in there, open up my laptop, do my reading and my paper and all that. Um, okay. And I did that for uh, two years, 18, well, a little bit under two years, about 19 months or so. Right uh, with Washington State University, I did all that online That's and right. got my MBA degree. Um, and you know, it was something that I felt I, I'm like, you know, you gotta you gotta plant the seed. You want something to grow, you gotta plant the seed. You can't That's wait right. until you need it to try to you know find it because it's it's not going to happen. So I planted the seed. And uh, that's how I, I started this this journey. Um, and actually, after I taught, uh, excuse me, after I finished my degree, about a year and a half, two years later, the professor that um, that I had done one of the classes with, uh, with reached out to me and asked if I would be a uh, instructor for him for the uh, leadership class that he was leading, um, that he teaches. And, and I did that for several years as well as a, a, not my own class, but as his instructor where I had 20 students and, um, and did all that. So I, I loved it. I, I loved that experience to try to not necessarily teach something, but to help facilitate learning Yeah, is yeah. how I see it. Um, and cause I get so much out of that too. 
but yeah, that's how it started. And then, um, you know, this opportunity came up for this uh, two unit kind of elective class, which I'm like, that's awesome because they actually want to come to this class. It's not a requirement. (laughs) So hopefully I would get some really excited, you know, students who are excited about experiential and want to be a part of it and want to um, get some really good hands-on learning opportunity. And, mm-hmm. um, and I did, I mean, I've got, uh, I've got 16 students currently in the, uh, in the class and we're activating, um, we're activating an event actually for a local, um, in, uh, in slow, uh, this mm-hmm. upcoming, oh gosh, it's about two weeks out, uh, 14th and 15th of, of May here, um, where we're going to actually launch um, a little area within their store to highlight and spotlight Cal Poly produced products, Love um, it. which is actually, it was actually a, an idea that Jen Prentice, her class had, had initially pitched and we are now taking that and making it reality. And uh, so going through all the process of timeline and, you know, production schedule and presenting to the client and all those things that I do with my team, but I'm giving the students that experience to do it. So I'm really thrilled and excited that I get to do it. Well, I love it. And it's so, I, those 16 students uh, sure do have what an amazing opportunity (laughs) learning, learning from you. And so, um, uh, and, and I'm excited for for the future and you you being able to do um, more for us. That that's so exciting. Let's um let's talk a little bit more about your role with George P. Johnson, right? So yeah. you're currently um, you are currently um, uh, senior vice president. I'm sorry if I uh, left out the senior part. Senior <laughs> vice president of business operations. Um, uh, so let, let's talk about like what that means and and, um, and what your day to day is like. Can you um, can you give us a, a little bit of a, yeah. a glimpse of what you do? Sure. And I don't mind the senior being left out. It just means I'm not as old as. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. you know, it's a, it's like uh, you know that SVP now is is oh, pretty no. hip, right? Yeah, so, uh, right. I know. Doesn't mean old at all. It just means that you're <laughs> just means that you're a badass. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you for saying that. No. Um. So yeah, I actually took this role on. Um at the end of 2019, um, which I was super excited about. I had worked my way up from the front desk receptionist uh, some, you know, 20 something years ago. So right. I was really excited about it. And uh, essentially it, 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 the, the trajectory was a little different than what I had hoped. Obviously 2020 uh, hit us and of course, um, my role really was very different um, at that point where I was not only leading my integrated production team and department, which was about 80 people. But on top of that, um, running the business operations, and I'll talk a little bit more about that as well on top. So it's kind of straddling both roles in 2020 and 2021. Um, Leading into this year and 22, what I'm doing, it's really more focused about the business, the operations of the business and running the business, making sure our PNL is healthy, making sure that we've got, you know, um, really good alignment with what our overall business objectives are from an organization standpoint to what we're trying to deliver in each of our regions. Um, so I, for me, uh, head up the West Coast, um, which is for us, the San Francisco location, as well as um, the Torrance location, where I'm part of uh, a very small 
leadership team uh, in terms of running the business, the day to day, the, um, you know, kind of the the machine that that kind of cranks out all these incredible programs that you hear about, like Dreamforce and, you know, uh, Google events and such. So it's, uh, it's a lot of, there's no such thing as a typical day. And there's no such thing as what that looks like. And and I state, I'm sure everybody says that um, in this industry. And I, I, I describe my role as that fire a uh, fire firefighter okay. that's walking around with that you know fire extinguisher um, <laughs> right i i am the person that people come to when there's trouble or issues or whatever so i'm i'm a best way for me to describe my role is i am a troubleshooter i'm a problem solver yeah um i'm the one to help the team put out the fire or at least get them all the equipment they need so that they can put out their fire so they can deliver. Um, That's the best way for me to describe my day to day because it truly is so different every single day. And I think that's why I enjoy it. And it's exciting because every day is so different. Right. And, you know, I, um, I keep asking that question over and over again of my guests um, because I love I, I love the actual articulation of it. And I think it's valuable. <laughs> I think it's valuable for, you know, prospective students as well as current students to realize that um, in our industry in doing um, what we do, there really is no um, typical day. And that's uh, and, and that I think is one of the things that draws um, that draws students to it. Right. Because they're, you know, they're, it, everything's different and that keeps you excited. And it's not, um, uh, you know, it's not that automated, like every day is the yeah. same day. Right. I mean, almost to go back to your aunt. I mean, you know, that, that, yeah. that, that it's, it's very different, right. It's, it's very okay. different every day. You're, you're doing things that, that that continue to grow you and continue to challenge you and um and uh you know i i growing up on a tobacco farm myself in (laughs) in eastern north carolina right you know i mean the repetitiveness of like doing the tobacco stuff that would like that drove me almost insane like i i would get sick to my stomach because it was like I, I couldn't do that same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. So I wanted out of that environment, right? You know, and so uh, um, even though we were worlds apart, uh, we 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 had some um, we had some uh, work ethic similarities there. Totally. I think in in growing up, and uh, and I love I, I didn't tell you when you said it because I didn't want to interrupt you, but I also I also went to psychology. Um, oh, you did. Uh, yeah, just just but but not for long. I mean, I graduated a degree in psychology, but I didn't I didn't do anything with it um, other than, um, you know, <laughs> it, it helped inform me in so much of what I do now and right. and, and my research and whatnot. But um, I, uh, I, I think uh, it, it would be a great place to end to ask you, you know, what you see for the future. Obviously, we've um, coming out of a pandemic, it was obviously a very difficult period, um, for, for our industry and, and, um, and, but from every, everyone I, I talked to, it, it, it seems like the events have, um, catapulted back, if you will, in, in a, in a very strong way. And, and the fact that we were, you know, the fact that the, the word pivot, um, became, 
the word that we used um, every other sentence uh, for the last two years. I would imagine that that has done um, some amazing things for the industry as well in, in in changing how we view things. And I just I think you were obviously uniquely positioned as a, a senior vice president with one of the world's uh, most uh, progressive companies. Um, what do you what do you see? What do you see for our industry? What do you think? Uh, what do you think the future is is going to be like? Gosh, I think it's it's endless. I mean, I really do. I mean, I know it might sound a little cliche, but I I feel like, you know, our events industry and ex- experiential in general, um, it's it's a $1.5 trillion global industry. And I think the exciting part is that it's somewhat untapped, you know, in terms of the the talent that we're able to bring in. It's almost this hidden gem, but it's everywhere. I mean, that to me is revolutionary and exciting it's like oh my gosh everything you do is experiential and it's so exciting to see the evolution Mm -hmm. of that from the digital uh, activations and virtual stuff that we saw in in 2020 when things had to kind of as you say took a a change or a pivot Um, but what we do best is we adapt and we evolve because at the end of the day we as humans need to connect to each other that will never change um, we will do business with people we like who we engage with that we feel like somehow there's a connection so i don't think our industry is going to ever go away or diminish it can only grow and evolve yeah. and i think that that to me is super super exciting um i think the biggest challenge honestly is just building up the right talent which of course eim and cal poly and you know, industry as a whole is is doing and by by having these conversations and by mm-hmm. being present and and showing up and participating in these forums. Um, I just see that as as our not a not a risk, but it's something that is a reality. We need more people. We need more talent to to know about this industry. So I'm excited, and I, I think there's so much to look forward to uh, ahead of you know ahead of where we are right now for this industry. I love it. I love it. It's so awesome. You know, and um, I, I I can't help but sharing this with you. Uh, yesterday, I had a student say, um, uh, and, and she's in my inter- introductory course, and and she said. You know, um, what if uh, what if I um, developed a presentation on experience industry management and went back to my high school and presented it? Do you think that would help? And I was like, light bulb, like ding, 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 like, whoa, (laughs) that could be a game changer. Right. If every one of our students, like if we if we arm them with a slide deck, right, to go back to their high school and and even if they just presented it to their guidance counselor, like imagine what that would do, right? And Huge. so, um, and so, yeah, I think what you just said is just um, is just amazing. And um, and thank you so much for for all of the support over the years. And um, and can't thank you enough for for taking time out of your busy day to to talk to us and and again pay it forward. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me. It was great. Absolutely.